listening to the Prevailing Word Podcast. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get right into today's message from the Word of God. Revelation, the third chapter, beginning at verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Father, we thank you for your word that tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. We thank you, Lord, that the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account, for there is nothing hidden, there is no creature hidden from your sight. We thank you, Lord, that the entrance of your word gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. We thank you, Lord, that every word of God is pure and you are a shield to those who put their trust in you. Father, we thank you that you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make us to know wisdom. This we thank you for in Jesus' name, amen. Neither hot or cold. The Laodicean church, the church in Asia Minor, which is today modern-day Turkey. The Lord instructed John, the apostle of the Lamb, to write a letter to the seven churches. There's differences of uh, interpretation as it goes to as it goes to these uh, seven churches, some have said that these seven churches represent the seven church ages and 
there is some credibility with that, so we don't want to knock it too far off, uh, shut it down. But then again, you have to look at the fact that John was instructed to write and to give these seven letters to the churches. So John is not here anymore. <laughs> and so the letters that were given to the churches were written for the time, the time specified. But because the word of God is eternal, it could very well be um, a timeline of the church age or the church age in its condition. When you get to the Laodicean church, you begin to see that Jesus begins to tell them all about themselves. Not that the Lord doesn't tell anything about the churches that are here today. The churches that are here today definitely uh, would be deserving of these seven uh, of these letters to one to the church but distributed to seven individual churches or a group of churches in the region that's one thing that we have to consider that even a church in a specific region could be a series of churches in that region but, but nonetheless Jesus gives his observation and warning to the Laodiceans. When you're dealing with the churches that are here today, it could very well be us. Um, even though it's a small group of uh, individual churches that appear to be like as if the they are like the Laodicean churches uh, we still need to pay attention and so the word uh, you know when it comes to these inhabitants of Laodicea they are of a particular group that has done a particular thing that obviously the Lord is not pleased of. He begins by saying, these things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. When you, now when you look at the beginning of the creation of God, you can't help but run the reference to John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So the worlds were created, everything was created, heaven and earth were, were created by the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit manifested what the Word said. He goes on and says in verse 15, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. That you are neither cold nor hot. And so if you're not cold and if you're not hot, what are you? Now listen, listen to what Jesus said. He said, I could wish you were cold or hot. I wish you were one or the other. But you're stuck in the middle. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot. This word lukewarm in the metaphor means of the condition of the soul wretchedly fluctuating between a torpor or a fervor of love. In other words, cold or hot. 
The soul is wretchedly fluctuating between cold and hot. To be fluctuating means that you can't make up your mind. Go to the book of James chapter 1. You can't make up your mind. Well, that sounds like something here. Look at James chapter 1 beginning at verse 2, my brethren. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him, who, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So when I see the word fluctuate, that means that it's like the wave of the sea tossed to and fro. You're unstable. There isn't any stability. Lukewarm people are like that. They're not cold and they're not hot. They're just fluctuating between what is cold and what is hot. And at one point it may appear as if they are cold and then in another instance it may appear that they're hot. And so they stay within that range because if they ever show one or the other and stick with it, then Jesus can do something with it. If you're cold, he can make you hot. But if you're hot, he wants you to stay hot. You see, the Lord doesn't want us to cool down when we become hot. You can always tell when, when you're hot. It, it's, it's when the word of God is pressing on the inside of you and you can't help but speak the word. You, you, you try desperately to suppress but the word just has to find an exit out of you. You just have to release the word even if it's going to cost you your life. Even if it's going to cost you some things, your job, your, your well-being, your status, your reputation, your, rep, your reputation. I wish that people were, would be hot, but some people are ashamed of being hot because of the potential of losing some things that you may have gained in your life. To be hot for the Lord means that you really don't care what happens to you. The only thing that you care about is you glorifying God. It's the only thing that matters. That God gets glory out of it. Like the, the man that was in Scranton, uh, PA. He saw that there were individuals that were homosexuals and sodomites. It was just the end of Pride Month. Besides, pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. And so he had his sign, he had his shirt, and he pr proceeded to preach the word of God and the police turned around and arrested him. See, that's a person that is hot for God, irrespective of what may happen to him. That's a person that's on fire for God. That's a person that really didn't care about their reputation. That's a person that really didn't care whether or not he see the next day. All he cared about 
was preaching the word of God to them so that way they would be delivered from sin. That's a hot individual. But the Laodicean church was neither of these things. They weren't even cold. Verse 16 says, so then, um, if you go back to Revelation chapter 3, verse 16 says, So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I will vomit you out of my mouth. In other words, what Jesus is really saying is, is that I don't want you in me. I don't want you in me. The worst thing in the world for Jesus to do to an individual that professes to be Christ and they're lukewarm, the worst thing that can happen is that when you can be vomited out of the body, vomited out of Christ, that's a very sad thing that can happen. Go to the book of John chapter 15. Book of John chapter 15 beginning at verse 1. Christ doesn't even want us in him if we're lukewarm. John 15 verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. I will vomit you out of my mouth. So in another analogy, Jesus said, the vine dresser will take you away. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. You see, when we're hot in the Lord, we're going to bear fruit regardless of the price that we may have to pay. As I said before in the morning session at the conclusion, I wish I had been much, much more bolder. I wish I had been much more hot. I wish I had been much more bolder to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ irrespective of what people may think or say of me. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes or he cleanses, that it may bear more fruit. No doubt the individual that was thrown in prison, thrown in jail for preaching to homosexuals, he's out bearing more fruit all over again. There's a young man in Canada who was in his high school class and told the class and evidently his teacher that there are only two genders, male or female. And I think it was the next day when he arrived for school that the police came and arrested him over a school lesson, over the fact that biology tells us so. If you don't want to believe the word that God created them male and female, Biology is solid. You can't change biology. They always say follow the science. Well, I'm telling you the science. First of all, I'm telling you the word, but just in case you don't believe the word, here's the science. XX, XY. He was a young teenager, and he got arrested by the police because he stood up for the fact that XX is women, XY is boys, males. All across America, we're seeing individuals that no longer tolerate righteousness, attack the righteous, and persecute the righteous. It's all in an effort to keep you silent. Because the whole purpose of keeping you silent is so that way they can sin in peace. But our job is to disrupt their peace. 
because the Bible tells us that there is no peace, saith the Lord, for the wicked. And certainly in hell, there is no peace for the wicked. If you were walking across the street, wouldn't you want somebody to warn you to stop? You're about to get hit or at least grab you and pull you so you wouldn't get hit. You want somebody to warn you. You want, yep, here you are, you're getting ready to walk across the, across the street, you have your iPods on, your music is blaring, or you're looking down on your phone, but you just happen to do what's normal and natural. You just step into the street, but somebody says, hey, to try to get your attention. What are you going to do? Get upset because somebody tried to get your attention? You want that car that's coming at you to honk their horn at least to warn you to look up. The preaching of the word is just that. It is the loud sounding of preaching the word of God to warn people of the impending danger that is coming upon them. We do this because we love them. If we didn't love them, we wouldn't say a word. We wouldn't even honk our horn. We would step on the gas and run them over. But because we love them, we warn them. I am the vine, you are the branches, Jesus is saying here. And then in verse 3 he says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without Christ, we can do nothing. The Laodicean church decided that they wanted to be neutral. They wanted to be neither cold nor hot. They wanted to be neutral. Here in the latter days that we're living in, where apostasy is all around, where people are defecting from the faith, it is no time to be cold, but if you are, Jesus can warm you up. You're still in the body if you're cold. Jesus prefers that we be hot and stay hot. But if we're lukewarm, he will spit us out of his mouth. We will no longer be in him. And so the parable of the vine the story of the vine, not a parable, the story of the vine is very, very critical and important. Without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. So if you're out of Christ, see, if you're out of Christ, what happens? You are cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Stay in the vine. Stay hot. Stay committed to Christ. You know how you can tell when you're cold? You don't even respond to the Lord. When, when he prompts you, when he prompts you to share the gospel, because the greatest thing that you can do is warn sinners of the impending judgment of God that is coming upon them. Why? Because they are children of wrath. It's our job to warn them and not to hide our lamp under a, under a basket as we saw 
in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 and 14 salt and light you see if you're light you're hot let me say that again if you're light you're hot because when you turn on the light it takes fire to produce light but if you're cold then you have no light the light can't come on light is a heat source as well because when you use energy it's providing light or power to the light so that way people can see that's why we need to stay connected to the vine because if we're connected to the vine then we could produce produce fruit but also if we're connected to his power then we can produce light go back to Revelation chapter 3 and look at verse 16 again so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich now now notice the attitude here take take uh, uh, take this and, and recognize the attitude here because you say I am rich in, in other words what you're really saying to the Lord is that there's nothing wrong with me so I'm rich and have become wealthy I'm I, there's nothing wrong with me, folks. Jesus started out by saying in verse 15, I know your works. The Lord knows our condition. You know how also you can tell when you're cold? When you really don't give people the, the gospel the way that it's supposed to be given and give them little clue words. Now don't get me wrong, people read clue words and it may lead them to Christ. It, it, it may. But if that's all you're leaving for them, you're, you're, you're leaving something out. You, we have to give people the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Now we may give indications and there's nothing wrong with that. We may give certain hints and there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you get to the point which is to share the gospel of Christ Jesus said I know your works I know what you're doing here you are saying that you're rich and that you're wealthy and have need of nothing <laughs> and do not know that you are wretched miserable poor blind and naked you see that's why it's very wise not to tell the Lord your condition from only your perspective it is wise to say Lord you are the only one that know the condition of my heart Jesus said there you say you see it doesn't matter what you say what matters is what he said about your condition I am you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched miserable poor this is not a bad confession this is the actual spiritual observation that is evidenced in the Laodicean church poor blind and naked so then look at what the Lord says here I counsel you to buy from me gold he doesn't want you to stop at precious stones or silver Jesus wants the gold he wants you to go for the gold. But watch this. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire. What is that refinement of fire? Well, we know that in the natural, when you want to bring gold to its purest form, you melt it down in 
the most extreme heat as possible and then it's poured into a block or a brick if you will of gold and it's pure gold so in this analogy being refined in fire means that you have things happened to you and its goal is to refine your gold you're persecuted well that's the refinement you're ridiculed that's the refinement you're mocked and, and, and scolded it's because you're being persecuted buy from me gold refined in the fire buy gold that is refined in the fire that you may be rich that you may be rich you see when we're going through some things, and I'm not talking about your finances, your house, car, money, all that. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you're persecuted for the righteousness of God that is in you. That's part of the refining process. So how, how are we to buy gold refined in the fire? That means that we're willing to spend all that we have to buy from him the gold that is refined in fire. That, for, for this reason, that you may be rich. So how do we buy? How do we buy? Go to the book of Mark chapter 8. We've seen this before. But it's good to see it again and again and again and again and again. Mark chapter 8, look at verse 34. This is how we buy gold from him refined in the fire. Verse 34 says, When he had called the people to himself, with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. What does it mean to deny yourself? It means that you withhold whatever it is that brings pleasure to you from doing it and you begin to do his will regardless of how much it's going to cost you we 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 need to learn how to deny ourselves it's just like when we see in the in the refrigerator carrot cheesecake and we have to deny ourselves because we don't want to put on any more pounds. We don't want to do that. We don't we 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 deny ourselves. With that analogy, something that brings pleasure to you. You deny yourself. You deny having pleasure in it. And watch this. And take up his cross. And take up his cross. Now you don't just take up your cross and just to carry it around, although that may be part of it. But the purpose of the cross is death. The purpose of the cross is death. You see, when we die to ourselves, that's part of what it says here in the book of Revelation chapter 3. Where Jesus said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. Denying ourselves and taking up his cross is the buying or the purchasing of the gold that he has. Why? That we may be rich. So when you read the rest of this in, in Mark chapter, uh, chapter 8, take up his cross and follow me. It's not just denying yourself. It's not just taking up your cross. But it is also following him wherever he goes. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I will follow. He goes on and says in verse 35, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. 
You know what it means to save your life? It means that when you have the chance to say something for Christ, but you didn't. You had a chance to let everybody know that you're a Christian, but you didn't. You had a chance to testify, but you intentionally didn't. You deliberately held back because you don't want somebody to hop on you and, and trouble you and give you a bad reputation, a bad name. But folks, that's what we're in this for. We're in this for him, for his glory. We're not in, in Christianity for our glory. We're not in, Christ, in Christ for our benefit. We're in his kingdom, in Christ, for his glory. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. You know how you reach that point of abandonment? It's when you don't care what others think of you. And you do not care what others will do to you. Because all you are is a witness. You're just testifying of the knowledge of Christ in you and you want them to share in this knowledge of Christ because we all know that at the end they may suffer the greatest penalty of all to be cast into a lake which burns with fire and brimstone. So most gladly therefore I lose my life for his sake. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I mean, what's the profit? I got a large bank account. I drive 10 cars and no, I, you can only drive one at a time. I got five houses around the world. I got acclaim, acclamation. I got fame. I got wealth. You gain the whole world. But for what reason? For what purpose? And then ultimately you lose your own soul. I was watching Floyd Mayweather do an interview. And the interviewer said, man, you got a whole lot of stuff. You got, you earned six, maybe seven figures. And all he could answer for about that was that, yeah, this house, yeah, this house is eight figures. I got a whole lot of money. The only thing that matters to me is I make money. Well, the Bible tells us that you shall not serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and mammon at the same time. He said, I'm blessed. I said, wait a minute. No, 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 you know, you're not. You're not blessed. Because the one that is truly blessed is the one that knows Christ. And they're without God in their lives. And they've accumulated all this wealth. But they're on the cusp of losing their soul. For the born again believer when it comes to being hot for God, we are always going to deny ourselves, to deny ourselves, take up his cross and follow him and we will always be in that position of losing our lives for his sake and the gospels and that's when we will save it, save our lives. For what will it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose, loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? In other words, what, is, what, what, what Jesus is saying, what are you going to give for your soul? To, if I give you the, the world, if I give if not I, not Christ, but if the devil gives you the world, if the world, if the world, the devil offers the world as an oyster on, on a platter, and then you lose your own soul. What will you give also in exchange for it? Let me tell you, a whole lot of people have done just that. Then he says in verse 38, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous 
and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You see, someone that is vomited outside of Christ, they, they are not in Christ, so they will be bundled up and burned. But those that are, are called are the ones that are ashamed of him and his words. But what will happen to them if you're cold, if you're ashamed? What will he do? The Son of Man will also be ashamed of him. Will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. We have to be cold, if we're cold rather I should say. If we're cold, then the Lord knows how to make us hot. If we're hot, we need to stay hot. Go back to Revelation chapter 3. Notice in verse 18 again, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Be zealous. What does it mean to be zealous? It means to have warmth of feeling for or against. To be zealous means to have a desire to move with jealousy or envy or desire to covet earnestly. It means to burn with zeal, to be heated, or to boil with envy, hatred, anger. That's in the negative sense. In the good sense, it means to be zealous in the pursuit of good. To be zealous in the pursuit of good. I mean, we talk so much about what went wrong in most churches, but we're going to look at two churches that were hot. We're going to look at two churches that were hot for Christ. Revelation chapter 3, look at verse 7, starting there, the church of Philadelphia. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, who is true, he who has the key of David... He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. See, see, see how that ties in with Mark chapter 8 and verse 34 through 36 and 37. They didn't deny the Lord. Even in the face of persecution, they didn't deny the Lord. He says, I know that you have a little strength. You've kept my word and have denied and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of, synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. You see, the persecution was coming from the synagogue of Satan. It was coming from the Jews. But what, look at what happened. Even though they had a little strength, they kept his word and have not denied his name. The persecution was coming from the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews, but they are not, but they, but they lie, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet. In other words, I will make them so ashamed that they got to come to you and apologize for putting you through. And by doing so, and to know that I have loved you, because you have kept my command to persevere, See, the persevere is a command. We are to persevere. In fact, hold your place there and go into 2 Peter chapter 1. 
Look at verse 5, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance. Christ gave the Philadelphia church a command to persevere. With the word persevere in Romans chapter 3, which we'll go back to in a moment, means cheerful or hopeful endurance, constancy, enduring, patience, patient continuance, waiting. You see, that's a command from the Lord that the Lord gave to the uh, uh, church in Philadelphia. But I believe that this command encompasses the entire body of Christ. That we are to persevere. That we are to put up cheerful endurance. I showed you a story a few weeks ago of an individual who was ministering in uh, China and North Korea. And how he was captured by the police and interrogated but because he had cheerful endurance he was able to get through the ordeal and was released that's the kind of cheerful endurance that we are to have when we're persecuted that cheerfulness of, of the Lord a, a good example of the of the of the cheerfulness the the cheerfulness of the Lord let me finish reading of uh, Second Timothy, Second uh, Second Peter, chapter one, verse number six: to knowledge, self-control; to self-control, perseverance; to perseverance, godly; to godliness, brotherly kindness; and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will need you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. And has forgotten that what that he was cleansed from his old sin. A perfect example of this cheerful endurance is the book of Acts. Chapter 16. Perfect example of this cheerfulness is Paul and Silas. Look at verse number 16 in Acts chapter 16 to, to read the whole story. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the magistrate, excuse me, into the marketplace of, uh, to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans. Because the thing about Romans is, is that Nero is God. Caesar is God. But they're teaching us to observe customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. In other words, they got emotionally stirred. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks, in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. You see, at midnight, they decided that, hey, well, we're here. We might as well just go ahead and praise God about this. You see, whenever you are in a situation where you have been persecuted 
for the testimony of Christ. And the Holy Spirit wakes you up. No better time to praise God than in the midnight hour. I'm not talking about your house, your money, your cars, your finance. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about persecuted, pers being persecuted for sharing Jesus. Suddenly, verse 26, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains was loosed. You see, what God was doing was showing his power in the place where Paul and Silas was cheerfully enduring the persecution. Perseverance is a part of our ability to put up with whatever the world throws at us cheerfully. Because it says in the book of Nehemiah, the eighth chapter, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's no sense in sitting there and saying, oh, woe is me, God. Why did this have to happen to me? No. Have a song in your heart. Begin to praise God because you're persecuted for the testimony of Christ. The foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew, the, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. He was about to commit suicide. After all that singing, after the power of God showed up to open up the prison doors because he's responsible. So he kind of figured that, well, they're going to hold me accountable for what's going to happen here and I know what they're going to do to me. So I might as well beat them to the punch. But look at what happened. Paul and Silas saw it as an opportunity to minister the gospel to him. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. In other words, Paul and Silas, Paul in particular, saw that the man was about to commit suicide. And he said, don't commit yourself harm. Don't do yourself harm. We didn't leave. We're all here. You see, when you know that you've done nothing wrong, you're not going to get up to run out of the prison unless you're like Peter and the angel tells you to get out the prison. That's something different. Verse 29. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before, before Paul in silence. In other words, the, the jailer saw it as an opportunity now to get saved. After all that praising, after locking them up, after God opening up the prison and nobody leaves, he recognizes the power of God took place. And he sought, and he brought, rather, verse 30 says, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, that's the whole point of the power of God to get people saved. They praised the Lord in their situation. They were cheerfully enduring. In other words, they didn't mind where they were. They didn't complain. They weren't frustrated. They didn't command that the prison doors be opened in the name of Jesus. They didn't command that the jailers let them loose. They did none of that. They cheerfully endured the affliction that was upon them. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Now just imagine if Paul and Silas were cold or lukewarm and told them words like, it's going to be all right. You know, God's got this. You know, nothing's going to happen. You know, we just want to get out of here because, you know, no, they saw it as an opportunity when, he, when the jailer asked the question, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. 
Then they, meaning Paul and Silas, spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his household. You see, if they were cold, he wouldn't have gotten the gospel. His household wouldn't have gotten the gospel. They wouldn't have gotten saved. See, that's what it's all about. That's the real essence of the story. That somebody out of this, being that Paul and Silas were hot, somebody got saved and the household got saved. That's the whole point. Folks, don't hold back. Don't hide your lamp. Tell the people the truth of the gospel. Open your mouth and boldly proclaim the name of Jesus. Boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Boldly proclaim that you can come out of sin, out of darkness into his marvelous light. Come, don't be ashamed. Be hot and on fire. And, all, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and rejoiced, having believed in God and uh, believed in God with all his household. Go back to uh, uh, Revelation uh, chapter 3. This is a classic example of being hot. And so the, the church of Philadelphia, they were hot. And because they were hot, persecution comes. You see, persecution is not going to come when you're cold. And sure enough, persecution won't come when you're lukewarm. Look at verse 9. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. We see this in the book of Revelation chapter 21. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You see, that's a hot church. That's a church that doesn't mind being persecuted. COVID was an, a classic example of the kind of persecution that was initiated as a result of COVID. And a lot of churches complied with the government. But there are, were a lot of churches that refused to comply with the government and took a beating for it. In fact, there was this one church that were, was fined $100,000 because they opened up their church when they told them not to. But they stayed hot and they stayed on fire regardless of what government said. And that's what it means to be on, on fire for God. To be hot regardless of what the world will throw at you. Stay on fire no matter what. You've been listening to the Prevailing Word Podcast. We're on Apple Podcast, Amazon Podcast, Spotify, and Spreaker. The Minister's Crucible and Prevailing Word Live is on YouTube. There's exclusive content for ministers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ found at theministerscrucible.com. Follow Prevailing Word Ministries Incorporated and The Minister's Crucible on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. Thank you.